0: you have your Bibles or you want to uh, grab grab one from a seat in front of you, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. As we've already mentioned, uh, you can tell by our decorations uh, that we are about to begin uh, begin a building project, so please increase your giving. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) VBS is coming up. So uh, make sure that your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, Random kids off the street, make sure they're all signed up. It will be an event that they are not going to want to miss. So, uh, so make sure you can register online uh, at uh, uh, fforinfo.com. Uh, uh, make sure that you are signing up for VBS. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 11, is where we're going to be this morning. Therefore... For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being our cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let me pray for us this morning and we'll get into the text. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you have brought us together as a body of believers, God, that you have, you have gathered us together and you've brought us here for, for our benefit, God, that we can grow to look more like you, that we can, we can, uh, we can be conformed and, and strengthened in our walk with you and conformed into your image, God. And then we can go out and reach people with the gospel. So I thank you and praise you for the fact that you didn't leave us stranded as believers. You didn't just abandon us after we came to know you. But you brought us into the body of the church, God. Where we have like-minded fellow believers who are all worshiping you and praising you and glorifying you. God, may you be glorified in our time this morning. May our hearts and our ears be open to hear what you have to tell us this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. In medias res is a term filmmakers use to describe a uh, something you've probably seen a lot in films or in TV shows. The term is Latin uh, for in the middle of things. Uh, and, and what it describes is a filmmaking technique where the, the film just starts in the middle of the action or uh, the show just puts you right into the thick of things. You, you know the movies or the, the TV shows where uh, maybe the, the main character starts, uh, the movie starts and the main character is in the middle of a fight. Um, Or they're crashing through a window or falling from a from a height or or maybe if you're into a different type of movies The main character is sitting alone at a at a on a bench all sad and crying and under a a lonely street light And you know since it's a movie. It's probably pouring and more cinematic Um, But you know those those movies those TV shows. They just kind of drop you into it in the middle of the action Uh, and what they're doing with all of those examples what they're doing is trying to get you to ask the question How'd they get here? And they're going to spend the rest of the movie or the TV show explaining to you exactly how they got there. But that's the question that's on someone's mind when they're watching this film. They're wondering, how did that character get there? Well, if you're following along with the Bible story, you'll notice that up to this point, it's been distinctly Jewish. Uh, You notice that God called Abraham and promised to make a nation from Abraham. And his descendants are the Israelites. That God rescued Israel from slavery. And then he made a covenant with Israel that they would be his people and he would be their God. He would pour out upon them blessings and they would really be a Genesis 1 people. They would experience a Genesis 1 reality. The life that, that we were supposed to have they would experience. But that was with the nation of Israel. And then we find out later on God uh, calls david an israelite king and promises to to make his descendant sit on the throne of god's eternal kingdom forever and then god promises a messiah for the nation of israel who would rescue them a savior for israel who would restore what was wrong fix what was broken in israel and then that messiah jesus christ the savior was a jew and he had 11 disciples who were faithful jews and he did start the kingdom of God like he was supposed to, like, like that was his, his job, his mission. He did enact and bring about the kingdom of God, and it started with his faithful Jewish followers. And so you and I, uh, for the most part, I would venture to guess, are not Jews. And you probably have not thought about this or, 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 or may have just been wondering, but, but you were dropped into the middle of the action because you know that at some point, the story gets to us. (laughs) At some point, redemption and restoration and forgiveness got to us. But but you may not know how it got there. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that because how it got there has profound impacts on how we live our lives as a a body of believers and as a church. The distinction between Jew and Gentile, Jew and and someone who's not a Jew, is, is also not the only distinction between us, though. There are a variety of differences between every single one of us. I mean, every single one of us have different cultural backgrounds and different uh, socioeconomic statuses. We have different family lives. There are a lot of things that could divide us. Some of us have grown up in church. Some of us have not grown up in church. There there are a lot of different uh, sin struggles in the room, in the past and in the present. There are a lot of different things uh, that could divide us, and you may uh, you may be sitting there wondering, what is my standing in the kingdom of God? You know, I'm in this particular group. I have this going on in my life. What what is my standing in the kingdom of God? And what we'll what we'll see here in Ephesians chapter two, is that if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are an equal member of the family of God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, every single one of you is an equal member in the family of God, and as equal members, we have to live in a unified mission. As equal members in the family of God, we must be unified in our mission. First, in order to understand where our current standing is, we have to go back and look at where our standing was. Look at me in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you were at that time separated from christ alienated from the commonwealth of israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without god in the world so the first thing that we're going to see is that we were all separated from the family of god that's our starting point there at at one point every single one of us was was separated from the family of God. So Paul points out uh, the first distinction, the biggest distinction between Jews and Gentiles in their day, which was circumcision. So uh, in their day, Jews are circumcised, uh, non-Jews called Gentiles were not circumcised, and that was the big distinction. And that big distinction, that big difference came to embody everything that had to do with the, with the Jewish people. That came to embody, that one physical difference came to embody, Everything, all of the promises of God, all of the covenants that God had with Israel, all of, all of the blessings that Israel was supposed to uh, experience, their entire cultural history of God's presence being among them, their covenants and commands that God placed on Israel, the law that God gave Israel, all of that kind of became embodied in that one physical difference. So Paul's pointing out, he's saying, you Gentiles, you people... Uh, you were called unholy by those who are called holy. You were called unclean by those who are called clean. We don't use those cultural distinctions a whole lot. So it doesn't, it doesn't sound or make quite as much sense in our head. But think about it this way. Use the terms like in-group and out-group. Like there is an in-group and there's an out-group. Now imagine that, that the in-group are those who wear black shirts, right? Anyone who's wearing a black shirt, that person is in, in the in-group. Then you have the out-group, is everybody else. Well, those with black shirts, those on the inside, those in the in-group, those are the ones that are experiencing the promises of God. Those are the ones that claim to be the people of God and have all of the blessings of God and all of the, the cultural, historical standing with God. That's the in-group. The Israelites are the in-group they're the ones that claim to be God's people, and then there's everybody else. They're the ones that claim God's blessings, and then there's everybody else. They're the ones that claim to be clean and pure in the eyes of God, and then there's everybody else. And if you're not in that in-group, then you're separated from Christ. The the Gentiles, those who were not in the black shirt group, the, the out group. They were separated from Christ. Christ was was Israel's Messiah. They had nothing to do with him. They weren't looking for him. They weren't anxiously awaiting his arrival. They, They weren't looking for him at all. But Jesus came and they were separated from him. They were separated from the Lord. Christ said he came for the lost sheep of Israel. So the Gentiles were separated from Christ. The Gentiles were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They weren't part of the kingdom of Israel. That, that whole history we've been talking about, the, the nation of Israel, that rich history of Abraham and, and, and David and Sinai, said that out of order, but Abraham and Sinai and, and David and the exile, all, all of that rich history, the, all of the, the anticipation of the Messiah, that whole rich biblical history of God's redemptive plan, the Gentiles had no part in that. They weren't part of the commonwealth of Israel. They weren't part of that kingdom. And so they were strangers to the covenants of promises. All of God's promises for blessing, all of God's promises to, to pour out his, his gifts and blessing upon them, they, they had no part in that. Which means that they were, they were without hope and without God in the world. You and I have all experienced this. Every single one of us have been separated from God. Every single one of us have been in the out group. Outside of God's blessings, outside of God's uh, will, outside of the eternal life that God provides, outside of God's kingdom, we have all been in the out group. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Jacob and I have had conversations about this. Big, he's a big Saints fan. Um, and uh, December 2nd. Just you wait. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, Big Dallas Cowboys fan. And here's the thing Saints, uh, here's one thing Saints have over the Cowboys is a Super Bowl in recent memory. Um, because here's the thing there have been 21 Super Bowls in this millennium. The Cowboys have played in exactly zero of them. And <laughs> that's, yeah, they are, they, they're not that great. Um, but here, look. Every year, every year, every year, videos flash across my screen of of fans celebrating the fact that they're won, they're, their team won the big game. And they are celebrating there's there's life there. There's there, there's joy because their team won the Super Bowl. They are the in-group that year. Out of the 32 teams, there's, their team is the one that that won it all. And so they're celebrating. There's life and vibrancy there. There's joy there. As a Cowboys fan, I have been separated from the joy of celebrating a Super Bowl. I have been cut off from enjoying a Super Bowl the entire millennium. On an even greater scale, every single one of us have been separated, cut off of celebrating the joy and the life of knowing God. The Gentiles were separated and cut off of the joy of knowing God, the blessings, that God provides. They were separated from the covenant, so they were without hope. They were without God in the world. They were cut off and separated from God. Every single one of us are the same. There's a point in our lives where we were all cut off from God. We were all separated from him. But here we sit in a predominantly Gentile church, celebrating and worshiping the fact that we have been redeemed by Jesus. So something had to change, right? We're here claiming the blessings of God. We are here claiming the fact that we've been set free. We are here claiming to be part of the kingdom of God. So obviously either something changed or we are all sorely mistaken. Um, But something did change. So what changed? Well, it's the fact that Jesus fixed everything. It's the fact that that Jesus redeemed us. It's the fact that Jesus fixed the separation. Jesus resolved the separation. Look with me in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's talking to the Gentiles. He's talking to those who were in the out. Group. He's saying, you used to be outside of the kingdom of God. You used to be outside of God's promises. You used to be outside of his blessings, but Christ has come and brought you near. By his blood, he reached out to the out group and brought them into the in group. He goes on, uh, gives a little more uh, discussion on how he did that in verse 14. He himself is our peace, who, want, who has made both one one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. That he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now that's a really long sentence. Paul is every English teacher's worst nightmare. Uh, He writes really long sentences. But, But what Paul is saying is deeply rich, In these verses, what he's saying is you and I were once cut off, we were once separated, but Jesus himself is our peace. Jesus is the resolution of our separation. Because what he did is he did away with the distinctions of in and out altogether. If you notice in verse 11, Paul makes this kind of offhanded comment where he says, "That, that circumcision is something in the flesh by hands. What he's saying is that that is just a physical outward thing. Like that, that is just something external. The entire law that God gave in, in Exodus and in Leviticus, that whole thing is just external. It's all, it's all these rituals, it's these, these check boxes, these things that are just purely physical and the Israelites thought that just by doing these things, by, by checking off all of the physical boxes, by, by doing all of the external things that they could do, that they would earn the right to be in the in-group. And what Jesus did on the cross is he did away with the law entirely. He abolished the ordinances, he abolished the commandments, because he fulfilled every single one of them in his self. And by his blood, he brought both groups together. Like the example I used earlier, you have the in-group with the black shirts, and you have the out-group without them. That that black shirt—it's just something physical. It's just it, there's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing uh, uniquely different about the people in black shirts and the people not in black shirts. It's just they decided to wear a different color. In the same way, the Israelites, there's nothing uniquely different or special about them. It's the fact that they just had the outward look. They had the appearance, but neither group were the actual in-group. Neither the Israelites or the Gentiles were actually in God's favor. Neither the Gentiles nor the Jews were actually part of the people of God or the kingdom of God. They were all in the out group because God wasn't looking at Israel and he wasn't looking at the Gentiles. He wasn't looking at their shirt color and deciding if they're part of the kingdom of God. He wasn't looking at their outward characteristics to decide whether he loved them or not. He wasn't looking at their outward rituals or their practices to decide whether or not they had his favor. Both groups were the out group. By the death of Jesus and his resurrection, he brought both groups together into one new group. Because what Jesus did is he did away with the law, he did away with the ordinances, so he created in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he reconciled both groups and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus Christ reconciled, what did it say? Both groups in his body on the cross. He didn't just rescue the Gentiles so they could be part of the in-group. What he did was point out the fact that neither group was the in-group. And he made one new group, which is the body of Christ. If you look back, in the Old Testament, the, the Jews were looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God. They were anxiously awaiting the kingdom of God. They knew that a Messiah would come and that he would make everything right. He would fix their hearts. He would fix what was broken. And he would start and bring about the kingdom of God where everything in the world would go back to the way it was supposed to be in Genesis chapter 1. That's what they were waiting for and looking for. And they assumed it would all be one event. Because when you're looking at it from a distance, they just assumed that that at one moment the kingdom of God would come, all of our hearts would be fixed, and the whole world would go back to Genesis chapter 1 what they didn't realize is that that wasn't God's plan. Because God in his grace planned an in-between period where Christ came and he died and he gave an opportunity for us to become part of the in-group, the people of God. And we are waiting for the day when he will come and finally restore his kingdom entirely. We are waiting for the day when, when he will come and he will set the entire world back to Genesis chapter 1. He'll set the entire entire world back to the way it's supposed to be. But the in between period, in the meantime, he has given the world this, this one body called the church. Where he's collected everybody who has placed faith in Jesus. He's brought them all together into this one body to celebrate and worship together. It's not Jews and Gentiles. It's the church. He says again in verse 18. Oh, excuse me, verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to you who were near. Notice, he's preaching peace to those who are far off. Jesus is proclaiming a message of peace and restoration. He is proclaiming a message of grace to those who are, who are separated from him, the out group. He went out To the out group, and he said, There is a way to eternal life. There's a way to have redemption. There's a way to be restored. There's a way to experience the blessings that come with a relationship with God. There is a way. There is peace made available by my blood. But he preached the same message to the in group. He preached the same message to those who were near. He said to both Jews and Gentiles, If you want to know the blessings of God, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be restored, Put your faith in Jesus. He says in verse 18, through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It is only by Jesus that we have access to, to the Father. It is only by Jesus that we experience God's blessing, and It's only by Jesus that we're restored. I don't know what, what group you may find yourself in today. I, I don't know if you have a lot of money or if you have none. I don't know if you have a prestigious career with a lot of achievements or, or maybe you feel like you haven't accomplished anything in your life. Maybe you, you grew up in church and you've lived as, as this model citizen your entire life or, or maybe you were addicted to drugs and, and, and lived for the party. Like, I don't know what group you find yourself in this morning but here's the beauty it's that every single group has access to the Father by Jesus. Every single group, no matter who you are, what background you have, what baggage you're bringing in, you have access to the Father, you have the opportunity for redemption, the message of peace, and it only comes from Jesus. We are all standing on the same footing. We are all on the same ground. We are equal in the eyes of God if we place our faith in Jesus. We're not businessmen and (laughs) non-businessmen we're not rich and poor we're christians we're not overweight and underweight we're christians we're not righteous people who have lived really well and sinners we're christians there are no dividing lines or distinctions between any of us there's no subcategory of believers where some are better and some are worse. Every single one of us are on the same footing because of Jesus. because We were all separated from Christ and we were all brought in by the blood of Jesus. Some of you may be struggling this morning thinking I'm, I'm not as good as other believers. I, I'm in this group or that group and I'm not, I, I may be this, this lower category of Christian. Let, I, let me tell you that you are an equal member of the family of God if you place your faith in Jesus. You're not less. You're not lower. You're not poorly thought of. You are an equal member of the family of God if you place your faith in Jesus. Some of you may think that by your good works, that by your model citizenship status, that you somehow are better than other people. But let me tell you that you are an equal member of the family of God. Again, God doesn't look at our external characteristics. He doesn't look at our outward signs to decide whether he's going to pour out upon us love and blessings. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we're made right with God. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that we have God's favor. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that we're redeemed. So we are all on equal footing with God. We are all equal members of God's family if we've placed our faith in Jesus. What does it look like to be equal members? What is required of us? In verse 19, he starts to answer this fact that, that we as believers have a mission. And that God's family, of which we are all a part, has a mission and a purpose. This, this in-between period exists for a reason. We see in verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Before we go on, I just want uh, to highlight how incredible this verse is. And this sums up all of the emotion, all of the feelings that that, that come in this passage, the, the low moments in our lives where we're wondering, am I really a part of the family of God? Am I I somehow a lower person? Am I I somehow a a lower member? Is God really uh, think poorly of me compared to other believers? It says here, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That if you place your faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter what baggage you brought in. It doesn't matter what you're carrying. You are on equal footing as a fellow citizen, not a lower class citizen, not not somebody who, who has partial rights, but a fellow citizen and member of the household of God. He says in verse 20 that this household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So, so this household of God, this church, is compared to a building. It's likened to a building. And what what he says is that this building is built on one solid single foundation. And we as believers all have the same foundation. That foundation is the Word of God. The teachings of the apostles and the prophets. Because because what God has done in Scripture is reveal himself. He's revealed his plan for redemption for the world. That's why Christ is the cornerstone, the, the key piece, the thing that you cannot do without He is the cornerstone because all of Scripture, everything the apostles have taught, everything the prophets look forward to, is all wrapped up in Jesus. So we are all standing on equal footing with the same sure foundation of the Word of God. And then from that foundation, we're being built up. Notice again in verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus being the cornerstone, and in Jesus... The whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. So his church, in this this in-between period, we are growing into a temple of the Lord. We, as believers, are all collectively, all around the world, growing up into the image of Jesus. We We are a dwelling place for God, where God's presence will rest, where he will pour out upon us his blessings and where he will pour out upon us all joy and peace and satisfaction. But we are being conformed into the image of Jesus, ready and willing to receive his spirit in the fullest proportion. And we are being grown and conformed into the image of Jesus, that we as one body are all collectively growing together into a temple of God. But he points out it's not just the universal church, and it's not just pockets here and there of good believers who are going to look more like Jesus, or, or good believers or, or people who are of who are special privileges who are going to look more like Jesus. He says in verse 22, In Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In Jesus, he's talking to Gentiles who, who have been taught their whole life that they are separated from God, who have been taught their whole life that they are somehow less, uh, less than other believers, because they're not Jews, he says you as Gentiles are being grown collectively into the body of Jesus. Grown collectively into a dwelling place of God. Whatever your background is, whatever it is that you're bringing here today, let me tell you that that's not what God is looking at. That all of us together as one group of believers are all being grown into the image of Jesus equally. Equally. That isn't reserved for just a few of us that are growing into the image of Jesus. If you place your faith in Christ, that we are all growing together to look more like Jesus. That we have a purpose, a mission of looking more like Christ. Of preparing the world and getting ready for the redemption that is coming. Of being a people that really experiences the Genesis chapter 1 reality. That we are, we are growing and looking and living more like Jesus every day. And more than that, more than just looking more like Jesus and living more like him, we are also taking that message out to the world. Think about it for a second. Jesus could have just taken us to heaven the second we believed. That probably would have been better for us. I mean, if the second we placed our faith in Jesus, he just took us up to heaven. We wouldn't have to deal with sin and struggle. We wouldn't have to deal with pain and turmoil. We wouldn't have to deal with any of it. We could just be in the presence of God for all of eternity. That's why Paul in Philippians says, I, I could die, or I could be here. I'd probably rather die, but while I'm here, I have a purpose. Like that, That's what, that's his point, is that it would have been better for us if the second we placed our faith in Jesus, he took us right up to heaven. But there's this in-between period, and you have to look at why that is. It's because he left us, the church here, to proclaim the glorious good news that there is peace that is found In Jesus, that proclamation of peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near, he has left his church, his body, to proclaim that message out into the community that we have peace with God because of Jesus. And that that opportunity is available for anybody who places their faith in him. We are to go out to the out groups and to the in groups and to proclaim the message of the gospel. And collectively, we, we will grow into a dwelling place for God. We will to grow into the image of Jesus. We all have that requirement. We all have that mission. We can't abandon part of it because we are all equal members of the family of God. We need each other to help each other grow up into the image of Jesus. We can't abandon Uh, Our our time in church, we can't abandon our time with other believers because of other priorities and assume that everything is going to be okay. Because we as a body of believers, we need you. And you need us. So that we all can collectively grow up into the image of Jesus. You can't abandon your, your responsibility to reach lost people with the gospel because you are the mouthpiece. You are the church. You are the the person that brings the message of peace with you wherever you go. And if you don't bring it, who will? Every single one of us are equal members of the family of God. And so we need to live united in a single mission. You say, well, Bryn, I I can't give up this sin. You You don't know how hard it is. I may not. But I do know that if you place your faith in Jesus, you are an equal member of the family of God. Which means you are equally set free from sin and death. That you are no longer a slave to sin. And that by the power and blood of Jesus, you can be set free from whatever sin you're struggling with. And that you, collectively, with the rest of us, need to conform into the image of Jesus. You say, I I can't share my faith. I don't know enough. You may not know much. But I know that if you place your faith in Jesus, you are an equal member of the family of God, which means you are equally capable of telling other people how you got there. We all equally have the responsibility to help each other grow into the image of Jesus and to take the message of gospel out to the world. It is a joy and a privilege to proclaim the good news that we are all equal members of the family of God. And out of that gospel, we need to act and live every single day growing into the image of Jesus and proclaiming the gospel. This morning we're going to sing. There may be some of you here who will say, I've never placed my faith in Jesus. I am not part of the family of God. And if that's you, this morning as we sing, I invite you to come talk to me. I'll be standing right here. No judgment, no worries. This is a, a joyful moment that you can, uh, you can have peace with God. So as we sing, I invite you to come talk with me to talk about what it looks like to become part of the family of God by the blood of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that by your blood we have peace That by your blood we are are reconciled and redeemed. That by your blood we are saved. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we can have eternal life, so that we can be redeemed. And I thank you that you have brought us all collectively into the church so that we can help each other to grow into the image of Jesus and we can take the message of the gospel to the world. I pray, Father, for those here who do not know you for those who will say that they they are separated from you, who who know that they are without hope in the world, who want to be part of your family, God, I pray this morning that they would come and they would talk to me about what it means to be part of the family of God. There's nothing greater, no greater joy than knowing that we have peace with you because of Jesus. Let us sing and worship you with all that we have, knowing that we have been set free and redeemed by the blood of Christ. It's the name of Jesus that we pray.